0: This episode is brought to you by HBO's original limited drama series, The Night Of, starring Riz Ahmed and John Turturro. The Night Of delves into the intricate story of a fictitious murder case in New York City, examining the police investigation, the criminal justice system, and the purgatory of Rikers Island, where the accused awaits his trial. For your Emmy consideration, an outstanding limited series and all other categories. Fans had been waiting for the Once Upon a Time musical episode, The Song in Your Heart, for quite some time. It finally aired on ABC on May 7th. Over the last two Comic-Cons, fans eagerly lined up at the microphone, begging the show's cast and creators Adam Horowitz and Edward Kitsis to shoot an episode where Snow White, the Evil Queen, Prince Charming, and Captain Hook broke into song. Songwriting team Alan Zachary and Michael Weiner heard the call, and we meet them now on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony DeLisandro. This show, this particular episode, has been a long time coming. I remember being at Comic-Con, and Adam and Edward definitely talked this up, I know, at the last Comic-Con. I think they even talked it up at the previous Comic-Con, yes. two yeah. years ago. Yeah. And I just wanna, my first question to you both is, why did it take so long? Well,
1: actually, what happened was, was that Alan and I had been looking for TV shows that could use a musical episode. We were like, what show would make sense for a musical episode that we could go pitch ourselves as songwriters for? Because we were just trying to be proactive in our careers for songwriting opportunities. What
2: are some interesting places where people might not be looking for where musicals could happen? And we
1: immediately, we'd been fans of Once Upon a Time, and we were like, why hasn't Once Upon a Time never done a musical episode? It's Disney ABC,
2: it's fairy tales, it completely makes sense. Such a natural, and and we actually looked online, did a little research, and saw footage of various Comic Cons where people, where it was request every year, when are you gonna do a musical episode? And Adam- I think it almost had been happening since the first season. So, yeah, because it was just people episode. asking about it, you saw it on forums, and Adam and Eddie's response a couple times was, you know, we'd love to do a musical episode, we just wouldn't even know where to start.
1: So we literally called our agents right away and we were like, please try to get us a meeting with them because we, we'd we love to talk to them because we, we were have like, we ideas. Know, we know where to start. Yeah, we have ideas about how to do this. And um, they did, uh, Our one of our agents, Richard Kraft, called Don Solaire, who's the head of music at ABC and we talked to her, she heard our songs liked our songs a lot just in, from other projects and then we met with her and gave her a couple thoughts about how you could do Once Upon a Time as a musical episode. And she Some was different... like I love this
2: idea yeah. and she calls up Adam and Eddie, sets up a meeting
1: with them. And next thing we know we were in their offices pitching them different ways a musical episode could work and how musicals function because they basically said we know nothing about musicals so why would a character even sing? Why do characters sing? What do they sing about? What are So we started telling them why characters sing in music. how songs function in musicals, whether it's... It's like a Broadway
2: musical primer.
1: Yeah, and they got really excited, and we all sort of went away, and we got the call that Mm -hmm. they definitely wanted to do it, and... After that, we came back a couple times to the writer's room where we would talk to the writers about different ideas, and then they ended up pitching us out sort of the, the story of the episode, and we all kind of brainstormed how songs could work in that and um, who would sing and, you know, what moments they would sing. So it was a really collaborative process. But I think the reason it took so long is because they truly had no idea where to start, and we were just sort of looking for opportunities and, and offered ourselves up. <laughs>
0: So how long ago did you meet them?
2: We actually first met with them last September to kind of talk about the idea of uh, of how a musical could function on the show. And then came back shortly after to sit down in the writer's room, brainstorm ideas. And then basically, it was pretty much beginning of this year that they it, pitched us kind of like, here's a story we're thinking, what do you think of you know this way of how songs could function? And kind of dove in from there. And it through. actually
1: took... A couple months to get the official green light from ABC because you know obviously to do a musical episode is much more intensive and costly than doing a normal episode of the show and
2: simultaneously they were also busy with producing you know 22 episodes of (laughs) episodic television simultaneously so
1: the the green light finally came in the beginning of
2: january and we had to actually pre-record actors in february i mean we had it was like six weeks after we got the green light that like oh we're going to be with the actors and simultaneously then they would be Rehearsing musical numbers while shooting a different episode because it had to fit into yeah. the
0: regular schedule of the season. So with with the songs, so that that's very interesting. It wasn't like they were just like, oh hey, write me a wicked witch song. No. And then and then they would write around it. There was It was
1: almost like doing writing a, a real Broadway musical in about a month and a half. I mean, it was that process where we sat down with the writers and with Adam and Eddie and all of us and brainstormed how would music function in an episode, what story ideas would work. Then they came up with kind of a, a plot for the episode and then we dove in further about, you know, what moments could be musicalized, talked together about what characters made the most sense, what musical styles each character would sing and it was really, truly collaborative. So it, we, it was by no means just giving us a treatment or a script and saying,
2: go plug in songs. It was a very collaborative process. Because we had to come in and- to six seasons of a show and figure out exactly how you could layer in a musical element. And our goal was to have it feel like, almost like, God, these characters have been singing forever. And so you, we needed to make sure to match the both the musical language and the way that they speak and express themselves.
0: So did everybody, had everybody on the show, had they pre- had they performed musically before or well, for some of them was it a first time we you know we did a little research beforehand
2: to see you know you do a little googling and youtube searching just to figure out like what are we dealing with what kind of voice there are and it seemed like everybody had some degree of musical experience musicality um, several of the actors had talked before about how they would actually love to do a musical episode and, and like Jennifer Morrison was talking about having musical experience Um, And uh, uh, Josh, who plays uh, Prince Charming, had been on the West End in musicals many years ago. Like Colin,
1: whose hook, is a great rock singer. I mean, what we said to Adam and Eddie... When before we started um, writing the songs, was we said we should probably meet with everybody who we think is going to sing and just hear them. Like we'll go to their houses, keep it really casual. Literally, just sit down at a piano or bring a keyboard if they don't have one, and just be like, "Sing us your favorite song," you know. And before it was even
2: officially greenlit, we were just like, just to get a sense because we knew it's like, okay, we want to set everyone up for success, and you want to write for exactly what somebody's abilities are. It's kind of like years ago when Henry Mancini was writing for uh, Audrey Hepburn for Breakfast at Tiffany's, and and was going to write a song for her and discovered that you know, she had about an octave of like a quality usable range. And so he wrote Moon River basically with that range. and. I mean, you can you can write an amazing song, you know, if you if you do know what you're doing. And so we wanted to get a sense of setting up each of the each of the actors and for their characters, uh, set them up for success in whatever they would hopefully be singing in the in the episode. And it was really
1: funny because I think a lot of them were nervous when we came over because you know suddenly they're singing for us in in their houses and like they're like, auditioning all over again. Yeah, J- Jenny, uh, who who plays Snow White on the and show, and it's amazing. And it's amazing. Oh my god, she was so, she was like, I don't really sing. I really don't sing. I'm not good. Josh is because she's married to Josh Dallas He's an incredible singer. And Josh opens his mouth. And it's just like
2: this glorious voice. And, and she's like, oh, I, it's just really nothing. So we're
1: in their living room. And she starts
2: singing. And we look at each other. We're like, what are you talking about? You have an amazing voice. You're so good. And then the two of them spontaneously actually burst into like some song. A duet. A duet together. They start singing. And it was like, it was so adorable. I, we were, I, I actually felt a little sick about how cute it was.
0: <laughs> now, seeing that, I mean, obviously, it's Snow White and Prince Charming. Yeah. Were they always going to have a duet? Like, like they begin with the show?
1: Be- yeah, I mean, that, that actually was an idea that we'd all talked about early on um, because what was so nice about the concept that Adam and Eddie came up with for the episode was that they didn't want the episode to feel like music was a one-off. They really made music part of the mythology of the whole show by making it a wish that Snow White makes upon a star that then brings song to everybody to defeat the evil queen and that's those songs get put in the heart of their daughter as like a secret weapon she could use for the final battle so it was kind of amazing when they pitched us that because we we're like wow this like sort of relates to the entire mythology of the whole show and we never even you know you would never even know that it sort of existed the whole time so it was a great idea so we knew early on that the episode was going to start with a snow white prince charming song because it related to the wish that she had just made and was the first thing that sort of unleashed music in the kingdom, so it made sense to start with that.
2: And structurally, they made it really manageable too, because each song, or most of the songs, taking place in like the Enchanted Forest in the Fairy Tale Past, it made it where each thing was a compartmentalized moment. So, okay, here's a, it's not everything is a giant big dance number. Here's a great song between the two of them. Here's going to be a song for the Queen. Here's a song for Captain Hook that has some dancing pirates. You know, each thing was like its own individual element instead of creating these this giant epic palette of stuff that would be like, how, how are you going to shoot that? And you know. Nine ten days, and you essentially
0: each song has its own style, for example, Lana Perilla's the Queen sings is very is yeah. very rock opera, yeah, and very much in her vein, oh I yeah, mean, yeah,
1: immediately when we. We're talking to Adam and Eddie at the beginning. We were like, "What's the sound of the Evil Queen?" You know, and and uh, Eddie kept saying, "He's like, it's like Bowie. You know, let's do David Bowie something." And we were looking at her in the costumes that she wears, and she wears all that leather the, the and Indian. those high heels. Yeah. And there was something very '70s glam rock about it, and something very Frankenfurter, almost from Rocky Horror. So we were like, "What's well, a little David Bowie meets a little Rocky Horror meets sort of '70s glam rock style?" So that's where that song lived, and that's how that idea happened.
0: Since we found a lucky break Now let our songs show the powerful magic. We can make Enough. And then revenge.: Yeah. I, I, felt a, I felt some Gilbert and Sullivan.
2: Yeah Well, there is. in, in, in terms of some of the, of course, classic powdery Pirate Pirates of Penzance kind of stuff, but by way of uh, like Freddie Mercury. Because you know he's—it's like the joke has always been that that Hook wears liner. You know, you see him. It's like this guy. It's like he, he's—he's got—he's got that of it's and somehow it's like a lot of that stuff has that retro '70s vibe about it on the show, and uh, and he's just so cool. He has this cool rock voice, and we're like, you know, doing something with like a Queen kind of a vibe throwback would just be so much fun and just fits his attitude where he's singing this kind of like a, a love song but it's actually kind of about hate
0: to the swine home must be fate's design at last our tales will again
2: intertwine. revenge 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 is gonna be mine
1: oh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be mine oh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be oh it's gonna be mine it is sort of if you put Gilbert and Sullivan and Pirates of Penzance through like a 70s rock filter with Queen, and that's what you know came out on the other
2: side. It's like instead of somebody to love, it's somebody to kill. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, were they talking about doing another musical episode after this?
2: We would love that. I, it would be awesome. I, I think I think everybody had a blast on it. I think one of the one of the coolest things about the experience was getting to watch all the actors and then all the crew members. Like there were grips who were like singing the songs, dancing around, like people were, and part of it is that, you know, you have seasons of obviously following a certain structure and suddenly there's something that shakes it up. Everyone's out of their comfort zone and yet everyone's having such a great time and everything's so heightened. Um, so I have a feeling that they, they, they all felt kind of amenable to the idea of, of pursuing something in the future. We're certainly, we'd be happy to.
0: Now, how did the two of you meet and started writing songs? Were you writing scripts first or were you writing songs? We, we, had,
1: were, we were in high school. We went to high school together here in LA. And we went to a school in the Valley called Oakwood, and we were both in musicals. We were drama jocks. <laughs> we, were, you know? we were not the guys who were going to be on the sports team, so we <laughs> were up there performing musicals and discovered that both of us played piano, um, sang. Wrote songs. Wrote songs separately. We both wrote songs, so we just said, well, we should write some stuff together. And we had been inspired, of course, by all of the... You know the Disney animated movie musicals and Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid and Aladdin Latin. and Lion King and all those things. Where, you know musicals just sort of come back to Hollywood. And when we were growing up, and we said we should write one of these. You know, because be amazing. That's what
2: you do when you're 17. Yeah, and you know? so
1: we we chosen um, a fairy tale and adapted it. and We wrote the script. And then we wrote six songs that we recorded in my parents' living room um, and had no idea what we were doing. And we submitted it to every studio in Hollywood with a letter saying, we're 17, please meet with us. We're harmless. Yeah, and we, we and, 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 got and meetings. And
2: to their credit, like people actually let us, let us actually come in and we got to <laughs> pitch ideas uh, and, and ended up actually leading to some different jobs where we sold our first song uh, the next year to uh, Hanna-Barbera uh, for a, a Pebbles and Bam Bam Christmas uh, special. special, Yeah, we sold the song for $10. Split two ways.
1: It was yeah. before we had lawyers and agents and, uh, and then <laughs> any clue, any clue what we were doing. <laughs> and then
0: where did it go from there? Because you've been on Broadway, right? Tell it, tell us about that. Think, because breaking through on Broadway, sure, yeah, you're you're from out of town, right? Well, yeah, everyone's from out of town in New York, but still, right? Th- that's that's not. that's I mean, a hard town, to right? You
1: know, we we see ourselves as like we love doing any project that's musical storytelling that involves musical storytelling, writing songs for characters through story whether it's tv film theater so of course one of our dreams had always been to have a show on broadway and we both grew up going to broadway shows and loving classic movie musicals and all of those things so broadway's been a huge goal of ours the whole time um and so with first date which was the show that we had that was on broadway um that actually started as an idea that we were just talking about uh, as a show to produce ourselves, because it's so hard getting shows produced because they're so expensive. We were like, what if we write a small show, and we were working with a friend of ours, a book writer, a great writer um, named Austin Winsberg, and we were like, what if we just write a small show, like six people in it or something, and we'll produce it ourselves here in LA at a 99 seat theater. It'll be really ch- cheap to It's something where,
2: right, you know, for all the things that you're waiting to happen, here's yeah. something we could just make happen ourselves. Nothing is actually stopping this from getting yeah. up. And so we, we call the musical, that was kind of built on a lot of lunches, where we'd sit at lunch, complaining about our love lives and complaining about um, you know things that we maybe get sold but not get produced, and we said okay. So we just started developing this idea of a of a romantic comedy of a first date in real time, and then all the baggage that comes to life on stage, uh, making you realize that you know the person that you're on a date with uh, is not just them; it's also all the baggage that they carry with them from and uh, from their life. We thought
1: that felt very theatrical, so we would d- developed it out. We wrote a draft of it, and because Alan and I had spent a lot of time in New York at that point, and we had been we sort of, we go back and forth between New York and LA. Um we kind of live in both places. Um, and we had been in New York and we actually had sort of established a lot of relationships with different theater producers in New York. So we're like, well, why don't we just do a, like a reading, a presentation in New York and see what people think. We'll invite a small group of people. Just to get at, feedback to and get figure feedback. out what
2: is the next development step. Is it just doing at a ninety nine seat theater or maybe we could develop it at yeah, some and other and we'll, invite,
1: we'll invite some Broadway producers that we know and if it's terrible they you know, they like us anyway so they won't they, you know, they won't hate us and never talk to us again. And we did this reading and we had multiple producers that suddenly wanted to come onto the show. And we um, got commercial producers, and they pitched taking it to the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle, which is an out-of-town Broadway tryout house where Hairspray started, Disney's Aladdin started there, Memphis. It's had a lot of shows go to Broadway,
2: and all the while we never imagined, like we didn't write the show thinking, "Oh, this will be on Broadway." Even then, when we no. had Broadway producers, it was like, "Oh, great, we could do it at this theater, maybe we could do a lot of theaters around the country," and just kind of it could just be a launching pad.
1: For and it ended show. up going so well in Seattle and being so well received that. They decided to take it to Broadway because really to get a show out into the world now and, and have a licensing life where it's performed at, you know, every college and community theater. Just for all people over the to world, have awareness. It is. has to be a Broadway show.
2: And now it's, I mean, it's now it's played in over like 75 productions all around the it's world. Crazy. It's been, we get, we get a, they send us back translations from all different languages to approve, which is, you know, a challenge when you don't understand the intention of a comedy line in Japanese or in <laughs> Brazilian Portuguese versus portugal portuguese or some playing in argentina for like a year already or something it closed and opened
1: back up and it, it's it's wild so I'm, it's it was an incredible experience
0: now pa- i'm just pasadena is still a tryout house right for broadway
1: pasadena playhouse yeah yeah they, they, have, they are they've had yeah. a couple of things go to broadway in fact i think sister act started there that's first production yeah and then it went, was yeah and yeah. then yeah. went to london but yeah, so and they yeah i saw mask
0: there Few oh, you did? Ago. Oh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, and it was it was everything you imagine. They, they they were going they were going right. for the big fish, right? Right. It was like they were trying to yeah. get it the whole thing is it going out of town. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. the way it was conceived and everything, and yeah. it's staging and everything. Yeah, um, challenging material. And then I saw. I know this is nothing to do with you guys, but at Sacred Fools, I yeah. saw very early on the. Um, the Louis Prima music. Oh yeah, oh, right. Louis and Keely. Louis and Keely. Yeah. Which was then, and then I saw it in both versions. And then at, they did the Geffen, didn't they? Yes, with Taylor Hackford. Yeah, yeah. Right, so right. it's very interesting. It's very interesting to be in that early part of the process. It's and it,
1: theater chain, and, the, and it is a process. It takes so long, at years sometimes for shows to, if they ever get to Broadway, years and years and years. And it's a very very collaborative medium. I mean, you're working with your director, choreographer, designers. Producers all like trying everybody. to create
2: all trying to create a work that ideally you always feel like if it's done right you watch a show and it feels like there was one person who created the, the entire thing. thing that it just feels like it's all through that one that one vision even though it takes so many artists so can you share with us what
0: your next musical project is
2: we're working on actually a really fun stage musical called
1: intermission. And um, the show actually has nothing to do with theater, but it's called Intermission because it's it written. It will take place in a theater. It will take place in a theater. <laughs> it's written and can uh, be directed by Jerry Zucker, who obviously of the co-wrote. the Zucker brothers, um, yeah, Airplane, Airplane and Naked Gun. So it's been incredible working with Jerry. He wrote the script and we're writing the songs. And um, it's, it's in the tone of Airplane or Naked Gun, if one of those was a musical, but it's a truly original story. Um, and it's called Intermission because Jerry thought it was funny that that's a time when actually no one's in the theater. They're, they're just outside <laughs> talking. It has nothing to do with the show. So that's what the show is called. Um, and it's been really fun. And we've done presentations in New York that have gone knock on wood very well. And it's opening. Again, we're going back to the Fifth Avenue in Seattle. It's sort of been a lucky place for us. And it's going to open there early next year. And um, it's co-directed and choreographed by Chris Catelli who won a Tony for *Newsies*, um, and uh, and then hopefully we'll see where where it
0: goes after that. Now, separately, you're also screenwriters. Tell us tell us about that. That's really interesting because usually, I mean. Yeah, it's the town that puts everyone in a box. But it, it, you you think, oh, they're just songwriters, but no, yeah. you 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 have a track record as I, as, as screenwriters. Yeah, I, too. I think
2: a lot of it just comes down. Some of it is, is having grown up in Hollywood and just being around that kind of storytelling. And part of it is, I think that just like. Just like with Broadway, in the kind of songwriting that we do and what we really, really love is the storytelling. And so musical storytelling, any opportunity for doing that is what we mainly focus on. So even when we're working on TV and feature projects or animation projects, um, usually we're looking for an opportunity to tell a story that incorporates music um, in some fashion.
1: I think everything that we've sold in some way had a musical element to it. And and certainly the one we're going to pitch this afternoon does. So <laughs> we're, we're, everything we, you know, as screenwriters, it's, it's really, to us, we look at storytelling and characters all the same way, whether it's a song or a scene. You're kind of breaking down the same things. What does the character want? What are the obstacles in their way?
2: What, what's their baggage that they bring to the table? What are they passionate about? Musicals you just tend to get a few minutes to actually express yeah. those kinds of emotions in a deeper way or truly go into somebody's head to see yeah. what they're thinking. And things just tend to be a little bit more heightened. So you actually you get a little bit more latitude to express and sit in a moment, whereas something that uh, in TV and film, you might just see in a little bit more of an expression or a very small exchange. Well, like we always
1: say that the songs
2: and musicals are the close-ups in a movie or TV.
0: So two more, uh, almost a combined question on Once, on once Upon a Time. How long did it take, Soup, soup to Nuts, to—how many, how many months?
1: I mean, Soup to Nuts, the first meeting was in September, and the episode aired beginning in May. But the real writing really did start, like we said, after it was greenlit in January.
2: Basically, right. So it was, I would say it was basically five months from, like,
0: greenlit starting to actually, like, write the episode to air. And then, because I know that—like, I know, like, uh, Mark— uh, Aisham typically only has a week, right, to turn around music. Yeah, you guys.
1: Well, I mean, we basically wrote eight songs in about two and a half weeks which is fast i mean when you basically when you think about a broadway show which is 16 songs you usually take a year to write that and it's because of the complexities of musical storytelling and making that seamlessly integrated with scenes and the voices of the characters and your workshopping stuff we didn't really have the time to do that here but they were you know they're so solid on who those characters are and the storytelling is so it's been around six seasons so they really know who those people are so it made it a lot easier just to dive in yeah. very quickly and get it done whereas i think well- if it had been season one it would have been hard oh, yeah. to do it that fast
2: and it was a well-conceived outline yeah. all, the, all the elements were clear and once we locked into stylistically what we were going for with each song and how that would function it was it was pretty clear what but we you,
1: needed the hardest part about you know writing songs for a show as opposed to scoring it is when mark does his job which is he's so brilliant at i mean and you hear like the greatest people who write film scores or TV scores and how, what that does, but it's it supports um, action and visuals that have already happened. Like they're there, so he has that to look at. And then that fuels him to create music for those moments. So we, we sort of have nothing to go on other than an outline And discussions, and we're writing songs, it's a little bit in the dark, and we have to conceive of what those things will feel like when they're actually shot, and what the tone we're creating the tone right there, not responding to something that's
2: already been created. So, for example, so you're kind of creating on two levels, in that you're creating both what like the scene is in terms of like. The, the sentiment that's being expressed, and then what is the visceral element of the music that's supporting it. But, them. like, for
1: example, the last song in the episode is The Big Wedding. And they knew it. they knew they wanted to end with the wedding, because that's been you know coming for a while. And so they knew that they should have a big song for the wedding, a celebration song. And that's basically and,
2: initially what it said in the treatment yeah, was, it was like and a, then they sang a big celebratory, kind of
1: upbeat, fun song. And they wanted, like, an upbeat, like, rock song. So we wrote a song that was very fun, upbeat, and whatever. And then we read the script, because the script hadn't been written yet. And when we read the script and we saw how emotional they went with the the vows and the feeling of that wedding, we were like, and, the, and Adam and Eddie said, this song, it doesn't work tonally for this moment. And we completely agreed. We were like, yeah, you can't do this. So very last minute, literally, I think like a week before we went up to r- record with the actors, yeah. we wrote a new song that fit with
2: the script that we had finally received. Starting in a more romantic kind of place that could build up to something yeah. more celebratory.
0: Tomorrow is uncertain. Who knows what it will bring?
2: But one thing is for sure love.
1: With you, I have everything. And happily ever
0: after is the way these stories go. Did you rewrite any songs on the fly or right there on the set? That was the biggest one. That I was, mean,
1: and then the yeah. opening song, Powerful Magic, that is sung by Snow White and Prince Charming, that was the first song we wrote because we really wanted to establish the tone of what we were going to do musically for the show beginning with a play on kind of disney classic fairy tales which is when the bird flies in the beginning it's whistling like a you know snow white bluebird and there she's singing kind of in classic disney style and then the prince comes in and he has a big, legit voice, and
2: he's belting away. And then it kind of evolves into them actually singing a more contemporary yeah. kind of Disney song, something that would be more akin to, like, a Frozen kind of vibe or Tangled or something like that. Good morning, friend. Oh, my dear, there's something wrong. Because all my words are coming out in song. A rhythm stirs deep inside my soul. I'm saying things in ways I can't control.
1: And we knew we wanted to nail that song first because it you know, sort of played with both styles and that had to, we had to achieve that or else the rest of the episode wouldn't
0: have worked. Thank you very much, uh, Michael Weiner and Alan Zachary, songwriters of Once Upon a Time's musical episode. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank
1: you.